Hey, Nicole, thank you so much for the time. Uh, you're sitting in Italy getting ready for your next fight on March 14th. But first, you know, the big news around the world is the coronavirus. And I know it's been hitting Italy pretty hard. How has it been for you? Yeah. So, um, and first of all, thank you so much for having me. Second, like, uh, I think that it's, uh, it's affecting, affecting people like men as hysteria like you know italian people are really bigger and way way heavier than it is about people that are actually in danger like in hospital there's people working with people that have viruses and they can't steal masks from people that are working and helping them because they're not helping them they're just being selfish they're just panicking over over something they can do nothing about it's like the masks are not gonna save them the masks are for people that have the virus to not spread the virus around so what's the point in stealing from hospitals what's the point in doing like apocalypse um, panic attacks in, in supermarkets and buying all the water what's the point in being racist and not going to a chinese restaurant and mo the thing that's making me cringe the most is how people are reacting towards Asian people like they don't even know where they are from like kids that were born in Rome are being treated like they're spreading a virus and it's like these kids have never been to China these kids that didn't even they didn't even been to an airport in the last three years and they're being called out for these things and it's awful and seriously like since I first heard about the, this whole hysteria, I started going to like sushi and, and Chinese restaurants even more. And I see that they're empty. And in my favorite restaurants, there's nobody around. And I see the owners being in crisis. In Rome, the best Chinese restaurant just closed because nobody's going there. And I used to go there like every week. And to me, this is just insane. It's just racism masked as panic for I mean panic for an illness that's mm. that has 0.2 mortality rate and and like a normal flu has like 17,000 cases of death by year so it's just I don't know it's just I feel it's just racism yeah it's pretty crazy uh what the media has done to the world you know and like social media also has done to the world on this whole virus yeah. thing and it's almost like you could be you need to be careful, but you don't need to be too crazy about it. Right. And I, and I think that's what people are like. You said hysteria. I mean, people weren't panicking this much when there was like Ebola virus, mm -hmm. which is way more deadly and dangerous. And and people were not panicking because it's like it's Africa, but Africa's way closer. Like mm -hmm. and there's there's even more like even human trafficking from Africa. So there's people that are crossing borders without any kind of control. While right now, I can tell you, because like in a, a month ago, I was in Barcelona and I got like eye scanned at the airport and there were people in quarantine and there were like every kind of healthy measurement to to protect the, the, the spreading of, of this virus. While with Ebola, <laughs> that was way more serious, there wasn't such 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 panic attacks. And and to me this is crazy. This shows how much people are ignorant and and how they use this thing to, to just be racist. Definitely. Well, you know, has it affected anything with your training though? You know, because you're preparing for a fight right now. You're in the middle of a fight camp. 
yeah, no, I, I, I don't care. <laughs> like, uh, I'm just happy because when I had to do my medicals, there was like a shorter line at the hospital. <laughs> That's okay. it. Okay. I don't care. Like, as long as they're not going to cancel my fight. Like, there were some guys that were supposed to fight, like, this weekend, and uh, their fights got canceled because they don't want to do, like, events with a lot of people. Like, TV is helping a lot of people to panic because they're doing shows where they usually have public and they're doing it, like, with closed doors. They're doing soccer. Like, you know, soccer is very big in Italy. And if people don't go to soccer um, plays or, like, if the stadium is empty, people will panic. People will think that's way more serious than it is. So if you keep canceling sports events, if you keep uh, doing TV shows with no public, that's what's going to help people panic. And that's why I'm like, I really hope they're not going to do anything to my flight. I hope the event is still going to go on because I want to show people that everything is fine. It's just fine. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like it's getting better, though, you know. Um, I yeah. You know, I feel like the next couple of weeks, it's going to, everybody's going to calm down and it's not going to be that serious anymore. The thing anymore. is that here in Rome, um, there was one guy that died and it was like an 86 years old man that already had like lungs problem. After that, there has been three cases and they all healed. So since the people are healing, the panic is reducing a little bit. So that's what I hope is that day by day, people will heal. Uh, they will like reduce the the drama about it. They will stop being so Italian about it, and and people will stop panic. Yeah, hopefully. It's, yeah, it's it's just the whole. I think it's just the whole world, though. I think it's the world. It's yeah. not even just Italy. It's just everybody around everywhere, <clears throat> even in other Asian countries. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna get better. So now let's get into your uh your fight career so far uh your last fight you went to the contender series you faced off with Mallory Martin you know not the result that you wanted but what were some of the uh things that you took away from that fight that were some positives so well i went into that fight uh with um, heart my heart was completely broken my mind wasn't there so i went through a really hard camp and my personal life was just a wreck so I'm really proud of going through the whole camp, staying focused, being there, trying to showcase the best skills I had at the time. Like, I really put like 110% effort in that fight. So I'm really proud of everything I've done. Not proud of the result, but I don't think I could have done anything better in the situation I was. I was under antibiotic. I had stuff. Like, I was physically destroyed mentally destroyed my heart was broken i didn't have my coach my team my team from back home and uh my friends and coaches at jackson wing did everything they could to to help me and to to make me feel at home but it was like not the right fight to do experiments like to be cornered in english for the first time or having a new coach in my corner or not having my usual support system behind me so um, so that's why after that fight, I took like six months break, try to refocus, try to reground me and, and try to feel at home again in my hometown. Cause I didn't want to come back to Rome. So I came back to Rome. I faced all the bad things I had that I didn't like in my life. I tried to fix them and I wanted to get ready for another fight. So when the opportunity came, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> all right well you're you know you're getting ready um you know you said you took six months off did you still train a little bit did you still go to yes. the gym and 
So um, after that fight, I was like so depressed and hopeless. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't want to train. I wanted to retire. I didn't want to fight ever again. And my strength and conditioning coach was like, like okay, Miguel, just, just lift that weight for me just once. Just We'll just keep doing it. And one day maybe... <clears throat> You want to fight again? You're going to be ready. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And he was like, please do it. So he helped me at least be re be physically ready. Like he was um, pushing me to keep training and to stay in shape. And he was like, if you want to eat, you can eat. If you want to gain weight, you can gain weight, but at least train a little bit. So I kept doing whatever I felt. Uh, it was um, it was making me feel happy. Like I kept doing grappling, which is my first love. Then I started doing kickboxing separately in a gym with a lot of people I loved. So uh, piece by piece, I started training again. And and when the opportunity came to to have another fight, I've tried to apply for a visa to go back to Jackson Wink. My visa is still pending, so I had to get ready in Rome. That was a big challenge and. I'm glad it happened because I had to face it and now I'm, I feel I'm stronger. <laughs> so you basically you just kind of like erased the, 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 the disc, erased the computer and then you just kind of like uploaded everything again, you know, restart, right? Basically you're, you're yeah. kind of like 2.0 in a way, you know, like how a lot of people say that. I'm, I feel like I'm 3.0 right mm -hmm. now because I was, uh, I became a 2.0 when I first um, joined my previous team. Like I had a first team here in Italy that's the one that led me to to win the world championship in uh, IMAF and it was a really good team for amateurs and then we realized it wasn't enough for our pro career so me and a couple of friends moved and uh, started a new team and that's the team that helped me arrive to contender series then I had a massive argument with my coach we mm, broke up we decided to split ways and um, and that's when my 3.0 started. Like, I feel like my 3.0 is starting now. After this fight, I can call myself Mikol 3.0. Not before. I'm still 2.0. I'm okay. figuring out a way. All right, all right. Well, you're heading to uh, Barcelona, Spain for this next fight, a title fight. How did it all come together? Was it just your manager just came to you with it? Or did you find out about it somehow, some way? So I was training for Contender Series in Jackson Wink and uh, my number one drilling partner is Mariona and she's fighting in the same card. And she told me that she knew the Dana White of Spain, uh, the Spanish Dana White and, <laughs> and it's Fran Montier. And she introduced me to him and talked to him about me and talked to me about him, about the chance of, of having a fight in Spain. And by that time, Fran was putting together the card for Valkyries for the first female-only event in Europe. So when I started seeing the, the banners of this fight, I messaged him and I was like, hey, I really, really want to be on this card. Like, this is a, a major event in Europe. And uh, I'm really proud of being a female fighter. So I want to showcase how female and how badass I am. So please, please have me on this card. And Fran was like, okay, yeah, for sure. I'll find you a matchup. And it's going to be tough because uh, I had a lot of issues in finding opponents in Europe. But he was like so quick in finding me options to, uh, um, option of course, to fight. And he found me immediately an opponent. And, and we got a fight. <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's a belt on the line, which is much yes. better than a regular fight, right? 
Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, he asked me, like, do you want to fight for the belt? And I was like, oh, 100%. Yes, right. I'm ready for that. All right, your, your opponent, Elizabeth Rodriguez, she come, she's coming into this fight on a three-fight winning streak, a lot of momentum. What else can you tell me about her? I know that she's really tough. I know that she's physically really strong. She's aggressive, and she has good wrestling, good ground game. So... I'm excited to fight a girl that is on a winning streak and I want to prove myself against a really good opponent. So I'm excited for this matchup. I think it's a really good matchup. She's really similar to the previous opponent I faced. So um, one fight I won, one fight I lost. So now I'm ready to see <laughs> what's going to happen in this fight. And hopefully there's not going to be big surprises. I'm, I'm hopefully going to be ready for everything she's bringing to the table. So where have you been working in Rome? You said that you... You mentioned a kickboxing uh, place and then your strength and conditioning. So, where, where are the locations? So I had to put together my my team for this for this fight. So uh, my the person I trust the most is my strength and conditioning coach. He's called Luca Vido and uh, he's training me in his new center that's called Aspera Training Center in the city center of Rome. And for kickboxing, I've asked the help of Raini Clan, which is the best kickboxing team in Rome. And they're training the world champion, Gloria Peritore, which is my kickboxing training partner. And she's an amazing human being. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I want to see her transition to MMA so we can be on the same card. And, um, and Manuel and Milo Raini are helping me a lot in improving my kickboxing game. Uh, for grappling, I'm training at Flow Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, under the guidance of Andrea Verdemare, which is uh, an amazing black belt um, a rooster weight. And uh, his girlfriend, Serena Gabrielli, is a black belt world champion. And she's she's an amazing grappler. So they're both helping me a lot and improving my ground game. Um, and as a supervisor, I picked my old, um, old teammates. Like we were in the same team. Uh, same MMA team, and we've been in a national MMA team together when I won Worlds. He's called Andrea El Portoricano Chiappi, and uh, he's been my, basically, MMA head coach. He has an um, amateur team in the countryside close to Rome, so I'm going to train with him uh, three times a week. And he's doing, like, the sup the MMA supervising. Like, he's putting everything together, holding meets for me, and connecting the kickboxing, wrestling, and grappling work I'm doing and turning it into an MMA, <laughs> an MMA drill. <laughs> it sounds great. Like, you've you've put together something so quickly and uh, get yeah. ready for this fight, you know? And sometimes I've I think that's really what's best for a, a fighter, of, right? Yeah, I've been really lucky that a lot of people showed up and they were like, okay, you, we know you're in trouble. We know that something really bad happened to you and you didn't deserve that. So what we what can we do to help you and same thing happened with my previous teammates like they also they were like okay we're not training in the same location but we are a team so if you need our help for paperwork or for pads or for wrestling drills we're here for you so basically uh i'm not under the same name but my team is formed by all the people i've always trained with i saw that this fight is 25 minutes am i right five rounds yes. Five right, rounds, five minutes. Yes, half an hour of face punching. <laughs> <laughs> so did you change anything to prepare for these 25 minutes? Um, what are some of the I'm changes you made? I'm just harder and longer. Uh -huh. Like, mm -hmm. in, uh, Manuel Eraini is... Uh, 
is pushing me, is pushing my cardio way harder than usual. So we're doing like shorter recovery between between sessions. And with um, my strength and conditioning coach, Luca, we are doing like conditioning sessions that are way longer and way tougher. So my cardio has always been really great in every fight. And every time I fight, my last round is always better than my first round. So I really think that on five on a five-round fight, I can definitely shine. What type of fight do you visualize then? When you lay down, you know, and you close your eyes, you're thinking, what type of fight are you going to have this time around? I envision blood. I envision a lot of blood. Mm. I hope to cut a robin with a big elbow in the first round, and then there's going to be blood all over the cage. That's what I dream. A bloody dog fight for five rounds, hopefully less. All right, well, you know, um, you got a long year ahead of you. You got a big title fight coming up. Of course, you're focused on that. But when you look at this year... Like, where do you want to be at the end of the year when you, you know, when you think out your goals of the year? So before a fight, I don't ever want to think about the future because I feel like my life ends up that night. I want to live for that moment. So I don't, I mean, of course, I dream about defending the belt, uh, going to UFC or fighting somewhere like in Thailand or something. First things first, I want my belt. I want to come back home with my belt. Then I want to head back to Jackson Wing with my belt. And then after that, we'll figure what's going to be next. If I have to defend my belt, if I have to do contender series again, or if I get called for another promotion. But, I mean, Fran has been treating me really well. I really like AFL. So, I mean, if my career mm, proceeds uh, with AFL, I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. Well, March 14th, AFL 23, Barcelona, Spain, vacant strawweight title. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you so uh, much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Good, good luck on the fight. Good luck on everything that you're doing outside the cage also. And uh, hopefully we speak many more times in the future. Okay. Thank you so much. Looking forward to that.